0: Team Time Presents Podcast on Demand. Log on to podcast.rthk.hk. Teen Time Podcast on Demand. This is the Teen Time Science blog. I'm Neil Chase. Science. I've mentioned the problem of space junk on the science blog before. The issue of broken satellites or bits of old rockets in orbit that could damage new satellites or the International Space Station. Recently, there have been two cases of old satellites falling back down to Earth and causing fear here that they could cause damage or injury. So one of the latest ideas in combating space junk is to blast it into pieces, but from here on Earth. Scientists are considering a new laser system that would be like a cannon, and blast pulses of super-high energy into orbit from Earth, which would then break up the damaged satellites. Then, if the pieces are small enough, then they would just burn up harmlessly in the Earth's atmosphere. The hardest thing would be to fix onto the junk as it flew by at thousands of kilometers per hour, and also that the laser cannon would need to be accurate enough to not harm any existing satellites. But, once again, science fiction might soon become science fact. Can you tell the difference between a wind farm and an airplane? Of course you can, not least that one flies through the air and one stays on the ground. However, radar does have a problem distinguishing between wind farms and airplanes and that can lead to many safety issues or new wind farms not getting built. So one of the answers is to develop a type of 3D radar. Instead of traditional two-dimensional radar, the 3D type would show objects as 3D holograms. This way there would be no doubt about the size, shape and movement of an object to identify what it is. The technology is still in its infancy, but has the potential to increase the number of possible wind farms and make air travel a lot safer too. The effects of the disaster at the Fukushima nuclear power plant in Japan after the devastating tsunami is something that we are still coming to terms with. We know that there was a lot of radiation leaked at that time back in March, but it has been hard to say exactly how much. But new figures suggest that it was probably worse than had been feared. One of the biggest concerns is the level of radioactive cesium-137 that was released into the atmosphere. About 20% of the isotope fallout landed over Japan, but the remainder fell over the Pacific Ocean we simply don't know what the effects of that will be on fish and ocean life in the Pacific, or if the cesium isotope will be so diluted as to not have an effect. Unfortunately, cesium-137 has a long half-life of over 30 years, and so any effects on ocean life will be with us for very many years. Technology in cars has been improving for years, and tests are already underway on cars that actually drive themselves. Of course, the technology would have to be 100% foolproof to take the car driver out of the equation, but this could lead to safer, more efficient vehicles it is already possible for cars to park themselves. But the next step would be for a car to drop off a driver and then drive itself around the block or parking garage until it found a parking space. Then when the driver wants to leave, he would use his smartphone to call the car, which would then come and pick him up. Vehicle technicians are already working on this sort of system, though whether all drivers would trust their car to park as well as they do would be another question. Last month marked a key anniversary in music. It was in October 2001 that the Apple iPod was introduced. Although there had been portable music players that had played MP3 music files before then, the iPod perfected the whole idea of taking music on the go, along with a much more user-friendly interface to make it work. It really brought portable music players into the mainstream market. The first iPods had capacities of between 5 and 10 gigabytes; however now you can get 64 gigabyte models. They weren't universally praised when they came out, though, as some people objected to the restrictive way that music was sold via the iTunes site and that those music tracks couldn't be transferred elsewhere. Some musicians who were used to selling whole albums as CDs didn't like the idea of just buying individual tracks and that it didn't show off their work so well or that the audio quality was inferior to CDs. But, like it or not, The iPod has changed the way that we listen to music. And that all happened a decade ago. Happy birthday, iPod. I'm Neil Chase, and that's it for the Science Blog for another week. Read it back again on the Teen Time website, and I'll see you next Thursday evening for more.